could open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, I haven't been up here in four weeks, and, um, which is wonderful for you, <laughs> not that you don't like the preaching, but uh, you know, it's healthy. I said this last week, I'll say it again, I did a study many years ago on sheep, and I discovered that sheep are not super smart, and that the Bible calls us sheep, and, um, and that sheep can get many diseases, and one of the most severe diseases that inflicts sheep is when they eat grass of only one type. Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. So obviously we're talking about the word. But when it comes from one person, one style, one, one viewpoint, one, one person, one preacher the whole time, it's like a sheep who eats only one type of grass. And they actually need many types and they get different minerals and nutrients from different types. But there's a disease that happens if they only eat one type that something develops in their system where from, from a certain time onwards, now they can only receive that type and the other types would kill them, would cause a, a, a disease in their, in their body. And so, you know, when you have things that are built around one person, it's not helpful and it's not healthy. Amen? Except if it's Jesus, because he's the actual head of the church. So, I've been up here for four weeks. When I was up here, we were uh, kind of in the middle of a series called Acts and Origins, and it's strange to continue a series that started now a month ago, and, um, and since then, my dad preached on the necessity of the Holy Spirit, which is right along the lines of what we were talking about in Acts. Then Guy preached on cessationist, from going from cessationist to spirit-filled. Wasn't that wonderful? Yeah, it was great. And then Dwayne did the last two weeks on healing, which was outstanding. Truly outstanding. And so I'm going to continue on my series, kind of as if we didn't take a break for a month. And so I cannot recap. It would take me the whole message to recap three weeks. So I'm not even going to try. There was so much we covered. Most of it was foundational to walk with the Lord. But we did it in a sense of how did they, the people in the book of Acts, the disciples, the apostles, the believers, the 120 who got saved, the 3,000 who got saved, then became 5,000. How did they, what was it like for them on the ground? Not what we're accustomed to, what we've been told a thousand times, what we think the words mean, what we think it, what was it like for them in the day on the ground? Because if we want to, we don't actually want to walk as them. Oh, by the way, sorry, interruption. The two newlywed couples that just had weddings, I see both of them are back. So welcome back. Great. Yeah, wonderful. But if we want to walk like them, we don't want to walk like them. We want to walk like Jesus calls us to walk as individuals. But if we want to walk like them in general, we need to be convinced as they were and convicted as they were. Yeah? So we need to see it from their perspective. Very, very important. So that's what we've done. We've gone to this book with a lens of how it was for them. And I've had a lot of feedback. People just letting me know that. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come... And they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Was it a wind or a sound? Sound. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Was it fire or was it as of fire? As of fire. Something from heaven. Best description they said, oh, it looks like fire. But it wasn't fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. 
The third week we went over what does the book of Acts mean when it talks about to be filled with the Spirit. It has it, they have many fillings over and over and over. And every single time that phrase filled with the Spirit or they were filled is used, it follows, it says, and they spoke or they preached or they proclaimed. If I was Theophilus, who Dr. Luke wrote this book to, I would have understood being filled with the Spirit means to speak for God. That's why it says when the Spirit comes, it says, now all will prophesy, sons and daughters, to them speak for God, preaching, speak for God. It was to speak and be a witness. Yeah? Please hear me. Spirit-filled is not a type of believer. It's a state of being. Big difference. Big difference. So, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, today I want to attempt to speak to you about something called Jubilee. Jesus, our Jubilee. And some of you may not even know that word. If you're new to Christianity, it is uh, something that we will discover today. But it all comes from one phrase. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. We're going to preach that one sentence today. One sentence. So we're, not, we're actually going to slow down. Amazing. What was Pentecost? To us, we think maybe baptism in the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. Or we think Pentecostals. Or we think we have many things that we think, what is Pentecost to us? But we're reading it as if we were these people here. To them, as Jewish people, it was a Jewish festival or a Jewish feast. So it's very important to understand what it meant for them. Now, there's much. We're going to do a bit of study, a little bit of math. Can we put our thinking caps on? Okay. I'm not asking you to try to remember everything we go over today. And I'm not, sorry. And I'm not asking you to even fully understand everything. I'm not trying to teach on these things. I just have to go through some of this so we can get to where I believe God wants to get us today. All right, so there's going to be a lot of teaching, a lot of reading of Scripture, but you're all really excited about it, which makes me happy. So one more sip of water for the hungry man. After this, I get to eat. So there's much we could say about fasts, I mean about feasts or festivals. (laughs) It's over. It's over. I'm not going to get that back. But... There's much we could say about it, but in a sense, there's many, but most of them were, in a sense, in two groups. The first month, the first Jewish month of the year, and the seventh month, okay? In the first month, it should come up behind you, you had Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Fruits, the Feast of First Fruits, and then the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost. That was actually in the following month, the second. Then in the seventh month, you had the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. But we're going to look a little bit at the first month Real quickly. So, Leviticus 23. Leviticus. Yes, Leviticus. It's the book that some people skip over, but you will find amazing things in Leviticus. Let me tell you, amazing things. Leviticus 23, verse 1 to 7. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be a holy convocation. That's a fancy word for coming together, a sacred assembly. These are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation or sacred assembly. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. 
These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times on the 14th day of the first month at twilight. Why twilight? The Hebrew day, it was evening and then morning, the first day. Hebrew day starts at twilight, starts in the evening. It's not like our day, it starts in the morning. Evening to morning, it's the Jewish day, okay? Which, now I've lost my place. On the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month, the next day in other words, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord, and he continues down. You can go look at Leviticus 23, 24, 25 at home, although we will read large portions of it today. So, quickly, the feasts from the first month, we see the Passover started on the 14th day, Pesach, the fast over, uh, the, the fast over. I'm hungry. It is over. I'm hungry. The fast is over, is the prophetic word. Help us, Jesus. Isn't it good to have joy in church, right? Amen. So, and by the way, that prophetic word that came, that was in worship, that really was from the Lord. That was wonderful. I know the courage that, I know what it takes when that happens in your heart. When God says, speak this. And you're going, ah, 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 I know that battle. So, Passover. Uh, this is obviously, as we know, many of us know in the Exodus, when the angel of death passed over, when he saw the blood on the doorposts, and it became a Passover, which they celebrated forever on the 14th day of the first month. What does it point to? Jesus, the Passover lamb. He was the Passover lamb, okay? The next day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is um, actually seven days long, but it starts the next day, and it points to the Messiah's sinless life. Leaven is a picture of sin in the Bible. They had to eat unleavened bread because the lamb that was to be examined had to be without spot, without blemish. Yeah? So they had to eat unleavened bread. It speaks about, it's pointing to Christ. There's a someone coming who will be sinless and the bread of life. Unleavened bread. Then you get the Feast of First Fruits. Now, there's two Feast of First Fruits, so don't be confused. The first one, the Feast of First Fruits, is actually with barley. It was their first barley crop, and they would get a sheaf of the barley, and they would, they would take the best barley, the first barley that came up, and they would cut it and wave the sheaf before the Lord, before any other had grown. As a statement of faith, it's like the tithe. That's what tithe is, faith. Because it was before, it was saying, Lord, we bless and trust you for the rest. And that was called the Feast of First Fruits. And that started the next day, day 16, day 14, 15, 16. And this pointed to actually to the Messiah's resurrection. So Jesus died on Passover. Think about this. On these days, Jesus died on Passover. Why? He was the Passover lamb. On the Feast of Passover, he died on that day. He was in the ground for unleavened bread. Why? His sinlessness was what defeated death. He's literally in the ground, in the grave, on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, his sinlessness destroying death. He rose again on the day of first fruits. The Feast of the First Fruits of Barley. He rose again. And as the song says, if he walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. Yeah? Paul said it like this, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. He says, but now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits 
of those who have fallen asleep. Why does he say that? Because it was on the day of the Feast of First Fruits. You with me? Then we have the Feast of Pentecost. It's also called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of the First Fruits of the Wheat Harvest. Okay. Pentecost means literally this, the 50th day, because it has to do with Jubilee. All right. You guys still with me? A lot of study. Leviticus 23, verse 15. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, that's the seventh day, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, barley, feast of first fruits, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. What's seven times seven? 49. You guys are amazing. So the next day would be 50. Very easy. And it is called the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Pentecost, which means 50th, because it came 50 days after the Feast of, the feast of Passover, the very next day started the clock. 50 days later would be this Feast of Pentecost, or Feast of Weeks. And it has to be on the 50th day, not the 49th, not the 7th Sabbath, the next day, because it has to do with Jubilee. Now... So what happens, Jesus dies, if you think about it, Jesus dies, and as he dies, the clock starts to tick for 50 days. And on the 50th day, the Spirit of God is poured out. Because it says that he was with us for 40 days. And it says in Acts, after he rose from the dead, he was with us 40 days, Acts 1, we read it. And then he says, not many days from now, Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that was a way of saying the last day, the day of Pentecost, the 50th day. So, 3,000 people got saved that day. Why? It was also called the Feast of the first fruits of the Wheat Harvest. What does the New Testament call saints? Wheat versus tares. Wheat, believers, tares, unbelievers. The first fruits of the wheat harvest, the first fruits of the church happened on the day of first fruits. The first great harvest of souls, in a sense, came in on the day of Pentecost. This did not happen when Jesus breathed on them in John chapter 20 and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Haha. When they got saved in John chapter 20, he breathed on his disciples, he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And they were, had the Spirit of God move in and take residence. They were saved. Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God is poured out. The church is birthed. It's the 50th day. Because the Spirit of God in you is for you, is for your freedom from sin, from the grave, from, for sonship, from many things. It's for your freedom and for your transformation then the Spirit of God upon you is for the liberation of others. Okay. Now, let's look at Jubilee. Jubilee is a big deal. Now, I get ripped off all the time because I say everything's a big deal. But I spoke to Guy Blank about Jubilee, and he said, Jubilee is a big deal. <laughs> so I'm quoting him behind you. Guy Blank thinks Jubilee is a big deal. I had to change those notes this morning. So, Leviticus 25. We're going to read a big portion of Leviticus 25, and we're all so excited to do it. 
Verse 3, six years you shall sow your field. Six, by the way, is the number of man. Seven is the number of God. Six days you work, seventh day you rest. If that does not break a performance culture, I don't know what does. Just a thought. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. So every seventh year they would actually for the whole year let their their land lay fallow. It would just be fallow. They wouldn't sow, they would just leave it. Okay? You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. Go to verse 8. You shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself. Seven times seven. And the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you 49 years. Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound the tenth day. Jubilee is something God started, was God's idea, God put it in place, and this is describing what it is. On the 50th year, they would have Jubilee, okay, the whole year. Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the 10th day. Can we say 10th day? Remember that. Of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land, to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. That's talking about men who were slaves, or in the military, or people that had to be sold, or all terrible things that used to happen, or people that were in distant land. They would come back to their family in jubilee year. That 50th year shall be a jubilee to you, In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord. You know, on the Sabbath year, when they would let it lay fallow, they were allowed to go into the field and still pick what grew wild. But on the Jubilee year, they were not even allowed to do that. Okay? And I know some of you pragmatic people are saying, well, where are they going to get food? Well, the Lord knew. He made you. He knows. He made the practical ones. So he answers their question. That 50th year, verse 11, shall be a jubilee to you, in that you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord, nor gather grapes of your untended vine. For it is the jubilee. It shall be holy to you, and you shall eat its produce from the field. People say, well, I thought you said, that means what they harvested already. They can't go back. All right. So, supernatural provision. Verse 20. And if you say, what shall we eat? In the seventh year, since we shall not sow nor gather in our produce, then I will command. Now, this scripture is not just for the context of the normal seventh Sabbath year when it lay fallow. It's coming in the context of the Jubilee year. He says, then I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year, and it will bring forth produce enough for three years. The 48th, the 49th, and the 50th. Supernatural provision. For three years. And enough to sow the 51st year afresh. Three years. Spiritual unity. Who knows when, this, when we all read that part in, in the book of Acts, when they all lived together and they're all house to house and in the temple and they ate together. You know the scripture and everyone says, I want to live like that. Partly, I believe, why they did that? Well, they understood something. Listen to this. Verse 35, if one of your brethren becomes poor and falls into poverty among you, then you shall help him like a stranger or a sojourner. 
that he may live with you. They understood that what happened, which we're getting to, was jubilee. That he may live with you. You shall not lend him your money for usury. In other words, he has to pay you back. Nor lend him your food at a profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Can we read you one more portion of Leviticus? Isn't Leviticus amazing? Yes, we all love Leviticus. Talk about being redeemed. Verse 39, if one of your brethren who dwells with you becomes poor and sells himself to you. Isn't that tragic? People that are slaves today to issues, addictions, bound. And sells himself to you. You shall not compel him to serve as a slave. As a hired servant, in other words, he works for a wage. And as a sojourner, he shall be with you. And he shall serve until the year of Jubilee. Then he shall depart from you. He and his children and return to his own family. He shall return, very important, to the possession of his fathers. Friends, the year of Jubilee for a Jewish person was something that you look forward to your entire life. Your entire life. Oh, Jubilee's coming, Jubilee's coming. All debts were paid or canceled. All. Throughout the land. Now, when I'm going to give you this list, you may think, well, how does that work and with our economy? Okay, it's not our economy, it's not our culture, it's not our system. All right? It was a shame and honor system. It's way back. But this is what used to happen. All debts were paid and canceled. All land was returned to original family. So you think about all debts were paid and canceled. That's redemption. Redeemed. He paid for you. He paid a price for you. All land returned to its original family. That's birthright. Healing is a birthright. That's your birthright. Restored. Inheritance restored in Jubilee. You could be a beggar. Jubilee year comes and you get to go back and own the land of your fathers. <laughs> Prisoners would be released. Captives set free. Those bound. Those in shackles. Fathers would return to their families. Well, we got our father back. That was separated in the garden. We got him back with Christ. Slaves were set free. That's why we're no longer slaves. Families would return to occupy what their fathers paid for. Jesus was sent by the father. The father paid a price. So we could occupy land spiritual land, even physical, that he has for us. Now, people say, well, what does this have to do with Jesus? Well, obviously everything. Go to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. You still with me? Great. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Pause. That is a reference in the Jewish world to the year of Jubilee. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That to them, oh, Jubilee, that's Jubilee. So now this is getting exciting. Yeah, he's talking about, the prophet's talking about Jubilee. We have heard this scripture read many times. To them, this meant practical, physical things. 
We only see it spiritual, which is good, because Old Testament natural, New Testament spiritual. But to them, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Why? It's saying to the poor, hey, next year's Jubilee, next year's Jubilee, you won't be poor anymore. That's good news. Okay? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Hey, your family's going to come back. Your father's going to come back. Think about it. So this is all talking about, to them, in their mindset, jubilee. That's why they always sometimes saw it as the natural. God, as they said to Jesus, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because even in, the, in what we quote as spiritual to them was, this is jubilee. But then listen to this. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance for our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those uh, who mourn in Zion. That's the church. To give them beauty for ashes. That's life for death. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees. What is a tree? A tree is something that has the ability to provide shade and stability for others. They may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The planting to be established, fully established. Now, what's that talking about? Community. That right there is a kingdom community, verse 2. There's two things happening here. The first, the jubilee aspect, is a liberational aspect. To set free, to let go, to repay, to cancel is liberation. The second is what it comes to. Why? To build secure, wholesome people, families restored with trees planted, communities flourishing, growing with children and grandparents and, and flourishing. That's what it was there for. But how many of you know you cannot have this if people are bound? You cannot have community if people are bound. You cannot have rest restoration if people are slaves, if people are in prison, if people, you cannot have those things. And so Jubilee must come. Jubilee must come. Jubilee must come. So Christ stands up. Go to Luke chapter 4. Christ stands up. Listen to this. It's beautiful. I'll read from verse 16. I don't think it'll come up behind me. I'll probably verse 18 more. But so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Excuse me. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened and read Isaiah 61, what we read. And he was handed the book. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. I love that sentence. Jesus closed the book. It's finished. He closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing.
to them to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord did not mean what we always see it as. It meant to them jubilee. Jesus comes and stands up and reads Isaiah 61. He says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. But he did not institute jubilee. He couldn't do that at that time because it wasn't the time. So they're like, what? He says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing, but he doesn't institute jubilee or do anything political. What does he do? He begins to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, and demonstrate the kingdom. He said, I've come to deal not with just slavery from man to man, eternal slavery. I've come to deal with sickness. I've come to deal with all these things. He begins to demonstrate what jubilee in heaven is about. And this is Christ's, we're about to have a president give an inaugural address. This is Jesus Christ's inaugural address. This is why I've come. Now what was God pointing to? Think about this. God institutes all this stuff with this nation, teaches them jubilee, his idea, Every 50th year, all the stuff, everything free, everyone look forward. He institutes all of this. Why? Well, it's got to be pointing to something. Why did he teach a whole nation? Why do we have it? What's it pointing to? What, was we, what are we supposed to learn from it? Well, Leviticus 25.10 says, You shall consecrate the 50th year. I don't think this is coming up behind you. And proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to all its inhabitants. Why? It shall be a jubilee for you, the Spirit of God in you for you, the Spirit of God upon you for others, all the inhabitants of the land. So, there is a 50th day coming. This is what the Old Testament's saying. There's a 50th day coming in the future where there will be a real trumpet that sounds from heaven. And we will get to taste of what we did not sow, <laughs> taste and see that the Lord is good. Without our own works, because the kingdom belongs to God, and people belong to God, and the power belongs to God. You know why God instituted Jubilee, if you go study it in Leviticus? He instituted it, and again and again, he says, because the land is mine and the people are mine. That's why I'm doing it, to restore everything. Because the land actually belongs to me, and the people belong to me. So, the word jubilee means the sound of a tempest. That's what it means. The sound of a great storm, or a great tempest, or an alarm, or battle cry. That's what it means. Now, remember when we read, you shall cause the trumpet of jubilee to sound on the tenth day? Remember that? You all said 10th day. I hope you remember it because it really wasn't that long ago. Well, let's go back to Acts. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, that's the 50th day, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. The trumpet of Jubilee will blow on the 10th day. This was the 10th day after his ascension. The clock starts to tick after he dies. 40 days, he comes, 
He's with us 40 days. Then 10 days starts to tick when he goes to heaven. And on the 10th day, heaven blew the real jubilee trumpet. And that sound entered earth. And that's the sound they heard. And it was of a mighty rushing wind. They say that could sound like a, even like a tornado or a train, you know, like a tornado. It's a blast. It's a war cry. One of the references to Jubilee means a shout of war. So Jubilee, Jesus institutes Jubilee forever. A spiritual Jubilee forever. And that happened not when people got saved in Acts 2, I mean in John 20, but when the Spirit of God is poured out. Why? Because he comes upon you to liberate others proclaim liberty throughout the land. This should be behind me. On the 50th day, I've almost rewritten the first one or two verses of Acts, with just, uh, Acts 2, with just this understanding. On the 50th day, the 10th day after his ascension, a sound from heaven, the trumpet of Jubilee sounded. And the mighty liberator, God the Holy Spirit, came to rest on individuals who were sitting. It says they were sitting. It's not a Jewish form of worship. They were at rest. Jesus, when he got to heaven, sat down. His work finished. He poured out the Holy Spirit from a place of rest. Because the Holy Spirit was poured out on the year, on the day of the Feast of Pentecost of Jubilee, which is rest, not the sixth day of your work or your performance, but on his performance. Supernatural provision, supernatural power, supernatural unity, supernatural community. And the Jubilee trumpet sounds forever. The Spirit came to rest on individuals who were sitting at rest and they tasted of what they did not sow because Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ. And now all debts are paid, redeemed. All land is returned. Our birthright is restored. The captives will be set free. We get our true father back. We are no longer slaves. And our families, us as people, will return to occupy what our Father paid for, which is everything Jesus paid for. And it's not based on you. It's based on him. And he paid for sin. And he paid for sickness. And he paid that demons will listen to believers. Jesus has become our jubilee forever. Friends, if you understand this, I know it's a lot of study. But when I came to understand this, I saw why, probably number one of the number one reasons why the church in the book of Acts is different to the church today. We tried to do it. They understood he did it. He did it. First man got healed, Acts chapter 3. Peter says, why you marvel? Why do you look at us as though it is by our own power or godliness? That word means character. It is when God's people learn to live from a place of rest, not of striving, of rest. And this becomes real, actually real, when you believe, actually, that Jesus Christ's cross is enough. 
So let me ask you, is the cross of Christ enough? All right, then so was the whipping post for healing. It was enough. Nothing more you need to do. It's enough. Jubilee, they were all set free. If this doesn't tell you that Jesus is who he says he was thousands of years and he fulfills every single one of them, not all of them, even by his own choosing. (laughs) And that's all I have for you today. Jesus is our spiritual jubilee forever. Free, paid for, forever. And he puts his spirit on you. The spirit of God came in Acts chapter 2 to rest upon people, to equip people, to bring liberty throughout all the land and to preach good news to those who are spiritually poor, to heal the sick because of something that sounded in heaven, not us, not our work, not even this great prayer warrior or this great anointed person. No, him. Him, he did it. He did it. And the sound entered earth and jubilee is forever now.